1: It's easy-to-wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
2: All right, here we
0: go. Pack 12 fans, this one's for you. Put
2: your hands up! Now!
0: This it's the Pac-12 Apostles.
2: Keeping it real.
0: And only the truth lives here.
3: Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsen. And this is the final Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We will be changing over to the college football. Apostles, very soon. Uh, But we wanted to hit you Pac-12 fans with, you know, some great stuff. And, you know, always subscribe. Always tell a friend about it. And make sure that you share the show. And, of course, go over to the YouTube channel at Unafraid Show. New episodes dropping all over there. And I think you're going to like it. Latest episode, interview with Dan Lanning. We also got Reggie Bush on over there. Um, What's his name? Josh Pate. Yeah. So we're, yeah, man, we're plugging along around it, around this joint. Um, but uh, Ralph, we get, we got to check our reviews as always. And we also have to, and on this episode, we're going to talk about, since this is the end of the pac 12, we're going to discuss every single team and where they've been and where they're going. Of course, we know what conference are going to already, but just a matter of, you know, the, the, Outlook for the future for this team.
4: George, so, are, you uh, Ra- are you sad? Huh? That it's our. Are you sad that it's our last episode in this format?
3: No, no, because because we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. But it is going to be interesting to try to fill the need of our listeners while also growing the show when the conference is going to. Three different conferences and then one kind of a holding pattern.
4: True. True. We did we 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 finished the Pac-Twelve Apostles Era finished on a five star review. I don't know if you're actually gonna like the five star review that it finished on. Uh, but it's from Daniel in Seattle. Title is Great Podcast, and the review is Great Podcast. Good to see the guys get humbled. Go Dogs, forget Pac Twelve Champs. I think this review was left before the um, college football playoff. Um, So I think it was uh, Daniel was riding the moment of the Pac-12 championship in Vegas, which I was out there with you for.
3: He should have been uh, riding it. He he's yeah. feeling feeling real good, man. But, uh, hey, maybe Kalen DeBoer and the Washington Huskies can win a championship next year.
4: Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. I think so. I think it. I think they're going to be sore for a minute. Yeah, unless, or maybe, or maybe Jed starts getting some recruiting wins. Yeah, hey, I, I, if Jet
3: Jet gets a few more recruiting wins, Arizona comes back as the number eleven team in the country. He's got Noah Fafita. He's got uh, T Mac. Uh, he's got a running back coming back, dude. Arizona is going to be great with Jed Fishnet next year, bro. They got a chance wow. to make the playoff.
4: I feel like the some just your your salt base sprinkling salt in wounds right now. <laughs> Pinky up, just dropping the salt.
3: <laughs> hey, do you know what is funny though is, um be- before we get into the teams, I wanted to talk about for a second this narrative about how coaches get jobs because we've seen so many fan bases. Talk about, oh, well, that guy wasn't even offered the job. But if you notice, every single school for the history of time has said we offered uh, the only person that we offered is the guy that took the job. They consistently say that. But the reality is what they do is they the administration or the search firms, they contact either the coach or their representative. And they ask, are you interested at this job? No. Okay, how about at this number? Ooh, Uh. maybe. Or they say, nah, bro, I'm good. And then, if that's the case, no, you don't get an offer. But that does not mean that you were not at the top of the list. It just means that you decided to not make yourself available. And and they'll say, well, that guy didn't even get an offer. See? It, it, that's not how it works.
4: Yeah, R- rhetorical technicalities, yeah. Um are, are how, uh, these mega corporations that we call, you know, collegiate athletic nonprofits, uh, get away with, um, lying. (laughs) It's not, it's not the truth. They know it's not the truth. You, you start out, if you don't hire a search firm, you start out with like a list of five, six names, you gauge interest with their agent and you see what's feasible and you see what's possible. Now, like the, the, you know, it would be like saying like, um, you know, you bought the engagement ring. You were going to ask your girl to marry you, but sh- you saw some texts on her phone the day before that uh, t- t- tipped you off that she's not the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and
3: then, and then everybody's like, yeah, but he never asked her to marry him,
4: man. He, Bro, had the he bought in the his ring. Pocket. He,
3: yeah. He had the <laughs> ring in his pocket.
4: So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. it, it i i i hate that there was this like crazy late carousel but you know it, it is what it is um danny cannell put out there you know that we're seeing all these legends j- drop out of college football because of like h- how rapidly the game has changed and and i think maybe there's some truth to that but the idea that that there's not going to be a million people falling all over themselves to be a college head coach every single time one of these legends steps down or steps aside is is what danny cannell is leaving out here also, the, the you know, age of retirement in this country is um, supposed to be, what, somewhere between 65, 68 years old. You got Nick Saban out here at 72 years old stepping down because
3: it was the- somebody in the in the Republican prim- primary that that, that, that just was asked if people should start thinking about working longer. And she was like, yeah, it should be more considered, uh, commensurate with the, with, with the life Life expectancy. expectancy,
4: Yeah. Nikki Haley. Yeah. But like all, all the while we're talking about that while the, like the two presidential candidates are a hundred years old. Yeah. Closer to a hundred than they are to 55. So (laughs) But, like, this idea that, like, Nick Saban stepped away because college football got too hard. No. Nick Saban stepped away because 13 wins, like, 12 wins is still easy for him, but 13 wins, like, the energy it takes to get that 13th, 14th win. Yeah, he don't don't want to do it no more. Yeah, it's not worth it for him to have a 12-win season. No. Like, that sentence out loud is pretty wild.
3: Yeah, the the idea that 12 wins is – is not enough. Cause he's, he's like, bro, I'm not doing this for, to just get a couple of wins. Like I'm doing this to win a championship. Like, that's it. Like there's no in between it's either championship or we're not doing this.
4: Yeah. And get ready for Alabama to realize that like, yes, you're Alabama. Yes. You had bear Bryant. Yes. You had Nick Saban, but like you really, you really are only as good as having the greatest coach of all time because it it's going, it is, you are going to come back down to earth. Oh my God,
3: dude, their fans, the most delusional thing that I've seen their fans tweet is when Caleb Downs went to Ohio State and they tweeted, oh my God, the rich just get richer. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? 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 Like, they don't even – like, it's just funny because they have no idea. Like, if you're a and, – and I saw Josh Pate talk about it too. He said, if you are a, an Alabama fan around the age of 30 or under 30, you are a trust fund. Like, you are a college football trust fund, baby.
4: Oh, for sure. Yeah. You, you, you have your elders talking about eight-win seasons, and you, you're like, eight wins in conference? <laughs> like,
3: that's – Hey, and the funny part about that is is honestly that's how newer Oregon fans are, like people who came in around the time that I went to Oregon in 99. Like that's when the uniforms changed. That's a two separate eras of Oregon football. And the people who were fans after starting with with me and on, they're like, "Bro, I don't we don't do this um like non-playoff, non-ten, like like New New Year's Six Bowl. Okay, we've been to like ten of them in the last twenty years. How about not not a big deal? Championship or bust. Fire a coach. It doesn't matter. Like they've gotten on that bucket where the older Oregon fans are saying, "I remember the Toilet Bowl zero zero versus Oregon State." And you guys don't understand these good times. I mean, and that's part of the reason why Joey Harrington won it. Um, Cal coach Justin Justin Wilcox, Wilcox. because after Crystal Ball and Taggart left, he was like, I want somebody who loves the program. Yeah. And I talked to Rob Mullins about that because I was on that letter and everything, but I had a different view of how the letter was supposed to be and how it was going to be presented and, and received. But the whole idea to me was find somebody who loves Oregon. Yeah. And won't and will reach back to and understand how much the past made this happen and how special of a place it is. Right. And it appears that Dan Lanning is that guy that, because he didn't have a dream school. He was a North Kansas city, like a small town kid outside of North Kansas city, 5,000 people. And you're just like, Oh, he doesn't have. Oh, he is at his dream school because this, <laughs> because his dream was just to be that guy. And with yeah, all and I think resources. he very
4: much values. And he he said it to you on the last episode of the Unafraid Show. He he said he valued – You know, there's a lot of value in the fact that they took a chance on him. Which you know you can interpret that however you want if you're if you're a Washington fan and you brought in Jed Fish because that's that's kind of what Arizona did for Jed Fish. But you also have to understand there's a generational difference between Dan Lanning and Jed Fish. Dan Lanning wasn't an assistant in 12 different locations over a 20-year period trying to trying to break through to realize Correct. his dream. And so the fact that Jed Fish stepping stoned Arizona I don't think is a surprise to anyone. We we've been talking about that possibility for a long time just based on the general there are coaches out here who toiled as assistants for such a long time that yep. that their that their window to maximize their value and what they've done. Um, you're Jay Norvell's, right? Leaving Nevada for Colorado State, even though it was a worse school, but there was more money involved. He, he's got a limited amount of time to get paid and he believes in himself and his ability. Tim Beck uh, was it, Tim Beck yep. was at Coastal Carolina this year after 20 years as, as an assistant. Um, would it be surprising to me that if he has a 12-win year at Coastal next year, if you don't see him, at a power five, that's probably what's going to happen, you know, and Jetfish did the same thing. Dan Lanning, you know, he, he, um, he was what a defensive coordinator at the highest level for a year. Yes. And just because you've had some success at Oregon doesn't mean you that, I mean, maybe you can personally forget it. If you, if you're a little bit, uh, you know, self aggrandizing, a little bit delusional, but like he knows, he knows that it was a risk and even in george i remember when i called you and and you said you know Cristobal's leaving and i and i remember in that moment i was like you guys should go after dan lanning yep. and you're like you weren't like who because you knew you know who yeah i knew, I knew who, he, who, he,
3: who who he was yeah
4: but you, you you were like are are we like we're oregon that's a that's like a early 30s yes. year defensive coordinator and i was like dude i'm telling you this man is built a little bit different Yep. Than than your typical person, like he will do whatever to succeed.
3: Yeah, and then I remember I called Cortez Hankton, who who I played with in Jacksonville, who was on the staff with him at Georgia, and Cortez was, was like, right. "Yep, yeah, yeah, he's now the um, co-offensive coordinator at LSU and the wide wide receiver coach, highest paid wide receiver coach in the country."
4: Making making over a
3: million coaching whiteouts. Woo! That's wild. hey, that ain't a bad that ain't a bad no, life. No, no, it's not. You, we know while we, you we... wait on your head coaching job opportunity, brother. That's not that ain't you know. It's hard to be uh, if hard to be miserable when you're keeping things in perspective. Like, yeah, I want that job, I want that opportunity, bro. But I can't complain, bro. Like, no. I'm, it, i I'm not an assistant making one hundred and fifty thousand thousand dollars you know, able to save $15,000, $20,000 a year. Nah, bro, I can save a couple hundred a year.
4: Yeah, and shout out, you know what, shout out to LSU. I mean, we're not college football apostles yet, but I want to throw this out there. Shout out to LSU because we've seen Texas A&M do a lot over the last few years that makes it kind of feel like some of that money's funny money. Uh, not LSU. Not LSU, not at all. Kayshawn Booty's out here losing $80,000 gambling because he just had <laughs> it on hand. You got Haley Van List switching schools. You got Jaden Daniel switching schools. You got Mulkey, one of the highest paid. Uh, you know that uh, – um, what's his name uh, before the NCAA came calling? Uh, Will Wade. He, he had some cash to throw around. And Brian Kelly, to lure him yep. from Notre Dame, you know he was getting paid at Notre Dame. Like So shout out to LSU for actually like having cash on hand, being good for it. I, I respect that. Yeah, I do.
3: For sure. For sure. Um, All right, let's
4: get into that. i I've stalled long enough. I'm depressed about it. But let's get into our final episode of the Pac-12 Apostles.
3: Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a very long time, you, you know the controversy about alphabetical order. So we're going to go <laughs> in alphabetical order and see if we can make this thing work. So we'll start with the University of Arizona. Um, Arizona has a new coach, Brent Brennan from San Jose State.
4: Yeah. And oh, I, I love him.
3: Yeah. And when people start talking about records, they start talking about, you know, whether a guy's good or not. And I don't think that that's the best way to do it. The thing that they don't consider, though, is how hard it is to win at San Jose State because they're playing good. A good conference i mean a good non conference record because they're getting buy, buy games for a uh, money, so a lot of those are going to be losses, but when you watched them play u s c this last year, that was not bad in any way shape form or fashion
4: yeah i i i think it i don't know it was weird because i i like argued with a university of Arizona. i've been arguing University of arizona fans all week um <laughs> That's another story. But I was arguing with a University of Arizona fan yesterday because he was mad that they hired Danny Gonzalez to be the linebackers coach, and he was pointing to his one loss record at University of New Mexico as head coach. First of all, as a defensive coordinator, he was lights out at San Diego State, and he gave uh, Arizona State its most competitive defense in like eight nine years, and had Arizona State fans wishing that he would succeed Herm Edwards, and so. The idea that he went home to try to, you know, um, resurrect the college he went to at New Mexico, which is a very tough job, I don't think is indicative of how he's going to do two steps down yeah. at University of Arizona. What you have to look at are somebody's habits. If you put somebody in a different situation with the habits that they have and the tendencies that they have. How will that work out? And the thing that University of Arizona needs most to me right now is a steady hand, somebody who wants to be there, and someone who is a good talent evaluator. And the one thing that I've loved about San Jose State, whether it was when Mike McIntyre was there with Brent Brennan on his staff, or now with, with Brent Brennan leading San Jose State, is almost always they're the first school to reach out to California kids.
3: Yeah, because you like, at, at at Arizona, it's a unique situ- situation, right? Because their donor base that they pull from is not the same as other schools. And it's funny because USC talks about this too, even though that they should have way more money. I mean, every right. school has billionaires and hundreds of millionaires. It's just a matter of do you engage them? Do they care about the thing that you care care about. And I, I just it doesn't now Arizona does have donors and boosters, but it's going to look a little bit different than it does at other schools. And I think that Arizona's in a very unique place because they are that school, them in Arizona State have sleeping giant potential. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. but you have to have the finances and the resources to support that to get you in and the success initially to get you over the, the hump. Like if you can put together some really good years and now um, provide some good NIL opportunities to retain some of your players, that's going to give you an opportunity to be successful. So how would you rate or, you know, Arizona's, Pac-12 run and where they're at right now going and how their position going forward.
4: Um, they, you know, they, so they never, they never won the conference. Obviously they, you know, they, they finished Pac-12, um, having been part of the Pac-10 since 1978, never went to the Rose bowl. And in Pac-12 play, um, you know, they had two double digit win seasons. Other teams definitely had it worse than them. Uh, but they were never able to really maintain um, momentum. Uh, you know, they had uh, what they had uh, a minute of Mike Stoops and Tim Kish before the Rich Rod era, the Kevin Sumlin disaster, and Jed Fish building this team back up. So I would give their overall Pac-12 grade maybe like a C minus. Um, George, let's do best year, worst year. Uh, they obviously went ten and three this year. Won the Alamo Bowl. The only other season that's probably comparable to that is twenty fourteen, with Richrod losing in the Fiesta Bowl, um, and going seven and two. They went seven and two in conference this year. They went seven and two in conference that year. Uh, but the strength of schedule in twenty fourteen was, I think, like maybe three times more than it was this year. So maybe it was a tougher road. Um, what would you go best year for, for University of Arizona in the Pac-12 era?
3: Oh, it's got to be this year. This year has to be the best. Uh, now, they did have some good times with, with Rich Rod, but this Alamo Bowl win over Oklahoma and just the amount of NFL talent that that's on the roster, I think that things are very, very high. Now, that... 2010 team i'm saying 2014 team did get as high as number eight in the uh ap poll and as high and their college football playoff final was number 10 and this one was 14 but it's it's clear that this season i think is going to have a bigger impact on their future where like their worst season oh god it, it is easy it's 2020 the year that kevin sumlin got fired And, and mainly because of that 300 to seven win by Arizona state. Oh my God,
4: dude. Yep. Yep. You know, you, you know it's bad when uh, a Chinese uh, streaming service picks up the game to replay it because uh, Jackson, he scored the 10th touchdown of the game. That was a, Like the fact that people in China know how bad 2020 was for Arizona means that, yeah, that, that was another level. Um, Best player. I'm, I'm down to two. I'm down to two. Even though uh, if there was maybe one more year of TMAC, I might, I might be willing to entertain him as the best player of the PAC 12 era. Who is your best player of the PAC 12 era for university of Arizona? (sighs) Hmm.
3: Probably. Mm. Okay. So I don't want to have recency bias, right? Right. So, and say T-Mac, but it's hard not to say T-Mac, He's but I'm going to go with Kadeem Carey.
4: That's, I mean, that. that's really how I feel is Kadeem Carey's probably Because I'm not factoring NFL at all. Just just pure college football. Um, However, if it's not Kadeem Carey, I would be willing to throw Scooby right out there. Two-star Scoob. Two-star Scoob. His 2014, 100 solo tackles, 64 assists, 31 tackles for a loss, and 15 sacks with five forced fumbles. Unbelievable. Man, had
3: a hell of a year
4: that due to something else for sure
3: yeah yeah uh, all how do you feel
4: man. like uh they're positioned moving forward especially being part of the big 12
3: so being that they were able to retain the majority of their roster even though they lost some key key pieces like the running back if it's price and a couple other kids
4: i think price might come back i think he, he is might- coming back
3: Oh, I saw I saw him post that that jersey, but then people were concerned that he was just trolling people. So I was like, <laughs> "That would be I, I messed up." Yeah, but Keon be...
4: Keon Burnett, T Mac, uh, Fafita, Raymond Polito yep. was the big one for me uh, because that yeah. offensive line yeah, was pretty lineman. impressive. Yep.
3: Yeah, so they did I, I lose think the are...
4: recruits though, like the Demon Williamses and and guys like that. Yeah, all decided to go to Washington.
3: So I think in the short term. They are positioned really, really well. Like, for this upcoming season, they are positioned. Big, Big
4: 12 favorite?
3: Uh, No, I think Utah is going to be the Big 12 favorite. But Arizona, so it would be 1A, 1B. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I th- think they're in good shape.
4: They feel like a Big 12 city to me. I know they got, like, a million people, but, th- but like, they – they are all about that college, all about it. And uh, uh, they're very passionate, sometimes angry fans uh, that I've been dealing with uh, this week. I apologize for offending your uh, your king, who um, I understand how much you, you value him. And uh, I, I apologize for encroaching on that man's uh, university.
1: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
4: Arizona Kingdom, your personal Napoleon, (laughs) your 5'6 hero. You don't care that he has one bacon-necked t-shirt and spends all day, every day getting in fights with everyone on earth. He is still your King. And I, I respect his sovereignty over your town. So shout out to university of Arizona fans. Maybe <laughs> calm down. Brent, Brandon's a great coach. Dino Babers is probably going to be cool. Danny Gonzalez is a, is a hell of an ad. I, I think you're building a great staff and I think you have a good shot to win the big 12. So maybe just calm down, huh?
3: Yeah. Calm down. Um, now on to the next school. Cause after two years of, turmoil. I I guess on one hand, it's good that Arizona state's not being talked about very much (laughs) because that means that the chaos is calming down, but it's also not good to be talked about. So you're, you're running a double edged sword. And I think that Arizona state is a team that has to be building in silence right now. They got to figure out their quarterback situation Who's who's gonna be their guy? They brought in the, uh, who was it? The kid from Michigan State, Kim.
4: Yep, yep. They 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 their quarterback uh, competition probably gonna be Rashada. Um, it's gonna be the kid from Michigan State uh, who is well, from like Westland, Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and then uh, still in the mix. Uh, it's gonna be. Um, they just need a functioning quarterback, and I think everything else they've done with this roster will be fine. Uh, There's going to be a dip at a tight end, um, obviously, um, with Jalen Conyers and the Texas Tech. But I think for the most part, the the talent that they've collected, I think they have every ability to maybe be a functional team moving forward. And that's really all you want is, like, if you buy a DVD player, all you really care about is if it plays DVDs, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) Arizona State, for a minute, was like a football team that couldn't football. And they, like, it yeah. wasn't even, they weren't even bad. They just couldn't football. Like, they couldn't, the idea that they couldn't even put enough linemen out to kick a field goal to beat Washington. Like, that's a broken that's product. Wild. So, yeah. um, but co- coaching-wise. like TCU
3: women's basketball during, during this season. <laughs> yes. TCU had to miss two, they had to miss two basketball games because they didn't have enough players. Like, they and, were a ranked tw- team. Like they were a ranked team, and then lost, and then had to like forfeit games. And or they near, asked their uh, student like, population,
4: yeah. "Hey, if you can ball, you mind coming down to the gym today? Yeah. We might and need you."
3: Yeah, they they had to pick up. They picked up three or four players as walk-ons on the roster, and ironically, they they actually had some state champions and all of this stuff just
4: just just walking around campus. <laughs> Yeah, people forget, man, people forget. There's a lot of people who are really good high school athletes that don't pursue it at the collegiate level, but um, yeah, I don't know. Arizona state was not a functioning football team. Um, I think they'll probably have the personnel to make that work this year. We are uh, 21 months or something cartoonish like that into this NCAA investigation and waiting on. And um, Oh wait, no, 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 no. That's not right because it's it started in 2021, correct? Yeah. So that's 7 months and then you have 2 years, that's 31 months. So we we're, we're 33 months into waiting for a notice of allegations to drop. So once that happens, I think the Arizona state uh, will have the ability to kind of move on from so this it's situation. It's time
3: to just stop NCAA. see Like like it's like it's like if you get in trouble and your parents are out of town and they're not back for you know they're you you have those absentee parents who yeah. who are gone for those absentee rich parents who were on the midst of their two month summer vac- vacation and you get in trouble and then you and then they get back and they find out what happened and they're like we're going to punish you you're like bro that was like months ago what are yeah. you talking about
4: or even you m- m- mouth off to your mom At breakfast and she's like I'm telling your father when he gets home but he doesn't get home till nine at night so you got 14 hours to sit and think about how you're going to get your ass whooped that 14 hours is the punishment yes that's the punishment right like I think I think ASU has done its 14 hours and I think it's probably time to move on
3: yes for for sure um Kenny Dillingham head coach how I am still Arrow's still up on him to me. I thought that yeah. this year actually proved, like, how good of a coach he could be. Um, yeah.
4: I'm very hopeful. Um, I think he's the right man for the job. Uh, I think his greatest enemy at this point is the apathy caused by the Herm era. Um, yeah because like when the excitement started, it was probably spring 2021 and it immediately got snuffed out. So um, I think he is fighting an uphill battle with a disengaged fan base that, um, and a lot of the responsibility for that belongs to the athletic administration and the president. Uh, But if they can get this thing going, I'm not a, I'm not a sleeping giant guy. I don't believe that's even a thing. Um, Definitely do not believe Arizona state is a sleeping giant. I think that, Arizona State is an incredible, maybe the best in the country. Second decision you can make, and I think that in the era of the transfer portal, why would you not consider Arizona State like that? that and I, I believe that I, yeah. I feel like I'm being objective in that. I think that Arizona State as a second chapter mirrors Arizona as a second chapter for all these snowbirds. Like, is just a good life to live mm. once you've established like what it is you want to try to accomplish. So, I, I think they'll fair. be fine. Um, it, but you, you do want to see what Kenny Dillingham can do with a fully functioning roster before you make any determinations. Maybe Marcus Arroyo is going to be a big part of that. I know you, you got feelings about, you know, Marcus Arroyo and maybe Peter principal, um, of like, there's an area where maybe he's really good, but if you elevate him pat- beyond that, maybe he's not ready. Uh, I think as an offensive yeah. coordinator with Kenny Dillingham there, maybe he could be good. We'll see. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting moving forward. Best year, worst year for Arizona State. What do you think?
2: Mm.
3: I would have to say probably the what was that twenty nineteen, the year that they. Wait, actually, no, no, yeah, I, I, I think you got to pull one of the Ty Graham years.
4: Yeah, the, either year 2013 two, year three. or 2014.
3: Mm-hmm. Probably 2014 because they finished in the top 20. Yeah,
4: so so that's got to yeah, be the best year. Yeah. T- tough to digest because had they not lost to Oregon State, they would have had a shot at the um college football playoff but when the wheels fell off, they really fell off hard and they ended up losing the territorial cup. Yep. Um, So that that's definitely tough to digest. So I, I feel like going eight and one in conference in the 2013 year was to me the better season because they finished strong, even though they lost the holiday bowl. Oh, and
3: then it brought momentum to the next year.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think so. But it has to be one of those two for sure. I don't – the the best Herm did was eight wins. I don't – I'm not a wins mean everything guy, but it, it didn't impress me.
3: Yeah. And their worst year, to me, had to be 2021.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20, well, 2022 was when Herm lost to Eastern Michigan.
3: Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Then, then, yes, it was 2022 because that was the year when you were like – Arizona State's a ten-win team, and I was like, "No, they're not, Ralph."
4: Yeah, Jaden. No, 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 no. no. Jayden, I said, you
3: you weren't even saying ten win. You said we might go undefeated.
4: Well, because well, also like Jaden left before the season. Omar Norman Lott left. Like the whole team bailed, and then Herm quit, and I'm going to say that capital Q Herm Edwards quit, um, after the Eastern Michigan game, and Arizona State still found a way to pot, pay a quitting man half his buyout Um, very very strange circumstances the highlight of that year though was I got to see my guy Sean Aguano uh, who is the head coach of the high school that I went to he got there the year after I left Uh, I got to see him spend nine games as the head coach of Arizona State that's a moment I'll never forget them beating Washington was cool Trenton Bourget being at the helm for that was cool Uh, but overall that was an absolutely disastrous year. I will also say that 2020 sticks out to me um, because of the way in which they lost to USC and the fact that like the rumor is that ASU went into that game with uh, athletes with COVID and got everybody sick on both sides. And so we only got four, three or four games from a bunch of these different PAC 12 teams that year sucked very bad. Um, but I will give you that 2021 was very disappointing because that's the year I believe that they'd be 10-11 win team. Um, and instead, Jaden Daniels had the most mediocre year of all time. Um, and they went from getting up to 18th ranked in the country to, to being a five-loss team with a Vegas Bowl loss. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm glad the Hermair is over. Um, best player of the Pac-12 era for Arizona State?
3: Easy. Nikhil Harry.
4: OK. OK. Yeah, I it's I'm this is going to sound like I'm saying something bad about Nikhil, but I do put DJ Foster a little bit above him. He's I think he's the most important player for Arizona State of the Pac-12 era. I will, however, throw Will Sutton's name in there because I feel like he's the most dominant defensive player ASU has had in the last 20 years. He, he had a run where he was completely unstoppable and uh i was a really big fan of his and of course that's from the early days yeah um but yeah i i he he had as a nose guard um in 2012 13 sacks
3: yeah dude he was a problem major problem um now on to cal as we stay in alphabetical order who is headed to the ac
4: the acc <laughs> Well I love living twelve miles from their conference headquarters, and I'm on the East Coast <laughs>
3: um so Cal who justin wilcox is their head coach I mean, there's not really a lot to talk about about this team. I mean, when we said that there was there wasn't a lot to talk about about Arizona state in terms of it's been quiet hell yeah. could is there been any more quiet place? I mean, Washington State's been louder, but that's because they've been, you know, their coach has been speaking out about their players being gouged and robbed and pillaged. Yeah. And Cal is, like, after Mendoza had a pretty good year last year, they're bringing, they brought in additional quarterbacks, and that's going to be interesting. They have... They fired Bo Baldwin, their officer coordinator. The guy who ended up calling the plays for the second half of the season is at UC Davis as head coach, Tim Plow. So, and last year was a complete reversal of the team in that their defense is usually good, but their offense is usually cheeks. And this year, their offense actually shows some competency, and their defense was atrocious. So, I, I honestly, I don't know what to make of this team. They made their first bowl game since what was that? They made their first first bowl game since the Red Box Bowl in yeah. 2019, hmm. and it was the Independence Bowl, which they lost. So they didn't finish the season with a winning record, a ready record <laughs> for the first time. Th- I mean. But they that did would have been win six games for
4: record since 2019 too. Yeah. Yep.
3: Dude, that's a long time to keep a job like and not have the success. But they're like, I do think you have to put an asterisk on it because the COVID stuff just threw everything off for Cal.
4: Maybe I don't. They they had some momentum before. I mean, that's a built-in excuse. I mean, it's a built-in it excuse. They finished 36 games under 500 in conference in the Pac-12. They never, never, never had a winning record in conference in the Pac-12. Never. Not one time.
3: Oh, my God, bro. They haven't had a winning record in conference since Jeff Tedford in 09. That's right.
4: That's right. They have been as mediocre as mediocre gets. And so the question then becomes, um, how do you think they'll fare in the ACC? Do you think it will be more of the same? And do you think that the Cal fan base will tolerate that? Because Cal did get rid of Sonny Dykes after four years, and then they had to watch him take TCU to a national championship game. Um, But that was after Sonny Dykes had three losing seasons in four years. Justin Wilcox has had four losing seasons in what? Seven, eight years. So, it, well, you know, well, and they're talking, the, and his problem. extension hasn't even kicked off yet. He's still like he has five years left on his contract.
3: Well, that's the issue, Ralph, <laughs> is that that's a significant problem because they're going to the ACC And Cal is running at such a financial deficit. I doubt I I highly doubt that that Justin Wilcox's contract is like a lot of these high paid head coaches because he's not one of them. That the majority of it is coming from. Boosters and donors. So that means that you got to buy him out and that's coming from the the school and them and UCLA are running at the biggest debt deficit. They make that, that Arizona $30 million debt deficit look like child's play.
4: Are they a top half team in the ACC with access to California athletes?
3: Okay. So assuming that Florida state is still in there, right? So let's just Mm -hmm. go with for next year. I think that Florida State's better. Clemson's better.
4: NC um, State is better.
3: Yep, NC State's better. Louisville's better, but they could they, they beat Louisville probably be next year. Yep. Um,
4: Louisville is else? another one of those schools like LSU where the, the check's clear.
3: M- My Miami could be good. Who knows? <laughs> They're 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 going to have the most talented roster in the ACC but, besides Florida but they're State. They're certainly
4: better than Cal. Yep. At this point,
3: Duke, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Yeah, they'll they'll be. Damn, and then you got yeah. Syracuse, Pitt, Virginia, Wake. Oh God, nah, they're going to be somewhere to the middle to bottom third of the ACC.
4: So we're probably running into more of the same. Who is the best player of the Cal Pac-12 era?
3: I'm going to go with um, uh, Cam Jordan.
4: I don't think he ever played in the Pac-12. He didn't? I don't think so. He's that old, Jesus. Louise. yeah, in that wild, I think he might have.
3: And you might I, be right because the Pac-12 era started what two thousand eleven.
4: Yeah, I think his senior so, year was was the last year of the Pac-10. Yeah, because
3: yeah, he's been in the league for quite some some time. So then let's amend that and go Jared
2: Goff.
4: Yeah, that's a, I mean number one overall picks tough to possibly about to go to a second Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that it's got it's got to be him. Uh, best year, worst year is weird because they only had the one, they had two, eight and five years. Do you like the Sonny Dykes eight and five year? Or do you like the, um, the Justin Wilcox eight and five year? One of them had Jared Goff, um, and, uh, and a better strength of schedule. Um, but in 2019, they did get up to number 15 in the AP poll.
3: I'm going 2019 because Sunny Son- Dykes' team, bro they they were a freeway the, to the to the end zone for the opponents. They literally yeah. had to score eight thousand points just to win. So and uh, that, I will
4: split the baby with you. I'll go with the other one. Yeah, I mean we're still talking about a losing conference record, but a harder schedule to get there. And then are we? You want to say one and eleven is the worst year? The 2013 Sonny Dykes. But that's like saying that one eleven year for Jed Fish would be the worst Arizona year because they yeah, but were it on the upswing. Yeah, but they did not win a game in conference. That's very tough to do.
3: Yeah, that's very tough to. It just just like going undefeated is tough to do. Going winless, yeah, that's tough. Um, I don't know. Twenty twenty two is pretty damn bad. Yeah. I mean, they were just atrocious. They were a doormat in twenty twenty two. So I'm gonna go twenty twenty two is the worst
4: year. All right, I'll I'll go with the winless, even though they did have Jared Goff and it was on the upswing. Um, winless is is wild as hell. Though, so I'll go with that. All right, Colorado. Wow.
3: Um, I guess their their history in the Pac twelve sucks. I mean. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they did make the championship game once and they got their doors knocked off, but I mean, their, their, their history is checkered at best. I mean, it's a bunch of their, their history is a bunch of mid bro.
4: Yeah. they 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 were never, they really came in to, um, the Pac-12 and served as a tackling dummy every year outside of one. It was, it made sense that they left. They had, I mean, they had one really, really good year under Mike McIntyre and then fired him the next season because the wheels fell off. Oh, no, 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 no. They waited two years. They waited two years. I, I always forget that there were two years between the 10 wins and firing yeah. him for like starting five and zero oh and then dropping six straight. Whew. Um, But I thought, I thought 2016 was very special. I think a lot of people thought that Mike McIntyre was going to be able to build off of that. Um, the fact that the slide in the back half of that Mike McIntyre year where he got fired was so bad that Mel Tucker, even going five and seven made him one of the hottest names in college football was very funny because they had the same record they had the two years before. Um, But I, uh, yeah, I don't know that they, they only had the one good year and then they also had the most exciting year of any PAC 12 team in 2023, but they happened to go one and eight in conference. (laughs) So I don't know, but best year is very obvious. And I think worst year is very obvious because of, you, you, I mean, you, you sounded the alarm. Don't hire Mike Sanford. They did. Yeah. Then they made him the head coach after firing Carl <laughs> Durrell. And now I, to this day, I still believe Mike Sanford is not employed.
3: Yeah. It's, it's mad. That was madness. Um, And the funny part about it is that like, they've had some very interesting situations because they went through a phase where they wouldn't give their coaches you know, long-term deals after Rick Newheisel. They were mm-hmm. trying to operate under the one year thing and all of that. Uh it, it just was not gonna work. And they actually fired Gary Barnett, who was actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And then um and they were seven and six that 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 year. And they were wishing for seven and six again. <laughs> after 2005 they were wishing for those years back until what 2016 when mike mcintyre won 10 games and then they were wishing yeah. for him back again so dude it just that but that mel tucker par- parlay bro that was awesome <laughs> like this homeboy went there for one year went five and seven got a bag and then Went won ten games in his first year at Michigan State, got another bag, and then blew the bag,
4: well, in more than one way. But moving on, uh, <laughs> Colorado had three very very bad years. One of them, they went winless in conference uh, in 2014 under Mike McIntyre. One of them was the John Embry year of going one and eleven and one and eight in conference, and 2022 the Carl Durrell, Mike Sanford year, which of those do you believe is the worst?
3: Ooh, I'm going to go with the Carl Durrell, Mike Sanford year, because that was so pitiful and you could see it coming. There was never any hope because they couldn't score points. It was the worst offensive team I've ever seen in my life, Ralph. I don't think I've ever seen a more inept offense than what I saw that that year. Regardless of whether you blame blame the yeah. players, blame the coach, talk about what you saw on the field was, what whatever you think you've seen a struggle offense as, it was worse.
4: <laughs> but they beat Justin Wilcox, so there's that. Um, best
3: player. Wait, so 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 Colorado got them, and Arizona got Cal.
4: Yeah but, more... yes, yeah, yeah, but yes, yeah, but the era, come different.
3: on, the Arizona game never should have happened. Yeah,
4: um, best Colorado player of the Pac-12 era, Christian Gonzalez. That is not a fair thing to say, and you know it. It's it's actually quite mean. Why was he? Because was... Christian Gonzalez left and went to Oregon. I and mean,
3: he was a, he was an All Pac- Pac-12 player in both places.
2: Uh <sighs>
3: One of them, he's just a first round pick from. I wonder what what he identifies as.
4: Was he a grad transfer? You don't get to identify as anything if you're not a grad transfer. Hmm. Good point. You you are what you finish at, unless you. He did graduate then- from.
3: He did graduate from Oregon, I believe.
4: Well, even then, like, you, do you think Jaden Daniels, with his ASU degree, calls himself a Sun Devil? Do you think Russell Wilson says "Go Wolfpack"? I don't. Well, no.
3: uh, he 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 might, because he's a politician, so he'd be like, "Go Wolfpack, <laughs> go Wolfpack, okay. go Badgers."
4: Um. All right. So I don't. I think that that is uh pretty ridiculous and invalid. Um. So I'm going to say. I'm going to Brendan,
3: Brendan Rice, then
4: <laughs> that's also messed up. Oh, uh, uh, I think LaViska Chenault for a small oh, yeah, point yeah. in time was the most feared player. If healthy in the pac 12 hey,
3: and Laviska Levi- hey, was cold. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He okay. Was. So I'm not my number one. Though. My number
4: one is Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay. I mean, he, I mean, that's just my favorite Colorado player. So
3: I'm going with LaVisca. Okay. Since you won't okay. let me take Christian.
4: Okay. I'll go with Lindsey because he was a Colorado boy who rushed for like 5,000 yards in high school, went to Colorado, did it up there, and then, and then uh, did some things in the NFL too. So shout out to Philip Lindsey. Who is – honestly, alphabetically, what, what are we on to? Oregon? This is where I get lost.
3: Yes, correct.
4: Okay. So I, this is going to be a fun question for you. What was Oregon's best year in, in the Pac-12? There are so many options. Shut up. Jeez.
3: Uh I mean is it well actually I guess you have to take the national championship year uh where they played in the national championship in 2014. Okay. Uh because 2010 was prior when they played in the national championship which yeah. Um
4: <clears throat> that's weird. It's weird because now we're in a situation where like arguably three of the teams we've already talked about's best year is twenty fourteen.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And huh. and Arizona beat Arizona who who we said they beat Oregon in the regular season on a yeah. on a Friday night when Oregon was wearing those uh black and pink uniforms and they didn't wear them <laughs> again for eight years, bro. That'll because that, because that, because they put the bad luck ones away. And do you know so it inter- it, what is interesting? Your best year
4: came under Mark Helfrich. How does that feel?
3: Chip is it was a chip holdover year.
4: Um, chip holdover. He he did turn around win. Uh, I mean, you know what's crazy that Mark Helfrich won, what was it, thirty seven games or something like that in in four years, and hasn't worked since. Uh, I'm, no, he's worked. He's
3: just doing announcing. Yeah. No, 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 no. He, he went to the Chicago Bears to be their OC.
4: That's a guaranteed L trying to call offense in Chicago.
3: Yeah, he went to, let me make sure. He went to, yeah, he went to the Chicago Bears as their OC in 18 and 19.
4: You know why I think Mark Helfrich gets so little respect?
3: Cause he let the team fall apart and let any old thing happen in the locker room? What do you mean?
4: Well, When you're a team that has gone to a bowl every single year since 2005 and only one of those years doesn't have a bowl, I think that's why. He is the only coach since 2005 four, to not take Oregon to a bowl game.
3: Dude, Oregon has been to a bowl game every single year since 94 except for 96, 2004 and 2015. Is that is is that is that good?
4: Shut up. Uh shut up. Shut up. No, um, no, I'm asking, is that good? It's probably. Probably. Yeah,
3: But you will have And what
4: sucks is if you read the bowl names out loud Because I wanted to be like, yeah, Vegas But like, no, when you read them out loud It's Fiesta, Fiesta Rose, Rose Fiesta, Rose BCS National Championship, Rose <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, man I it just happen to be not nice. be Associated
3: with poverty teams, man
4: Congratulations
3: Um, so, okay. So there, I mean, here, here's the truth is that Oregon's at the, at the point, if they want to raise any higher, they got to win a national championship. Yeah. Like there is no, there's 12 wins is going to, okay. Yeah. We had a good year, but that's not like, nobody's going to get excited. And like, they're, they're going to be excited for the next year, but nobody's going to be like, Oh my God, this was the greatest year ever. Yeah. and you don't hoist the trophy, not mm-hmm. even a Pac-12 trophy, the trophy, a Big Ten championship will be celebrated because it's the first year that, they'll, that they would be in if they win it. But right. anything aside from winning a national championship is not going to be, you know, I mean, I guess going and losing because then you're super excited for the next year and, you know, like that sort of thing keeps on going. But it's like, how can Ohio State fans be happy with this season?
4: Yeah. All right, easiest question in the world. Best player for Oregon of the Pac-12 era. How? Why? How are you even delaying on this?
3: I mean, dude, there's been a lot of really good players. Um, yeah,
4: but there's only been one Heisman in Trophy New York winner holding a trophy. Yes.
3: Okay, I'm gonna go with. Marcus Mariota, but the most exciting player of the Pac-12 era, it out of, out of any team had to be De'Anthony Thomas.
4: De'Anthony Thomas, I figured, uh, yeah, I figured he was going to give you a runner-up thing. Um, I am such a huge Sewell fan that I just want to mention his name. In oh, this. he, yep, <laughs> monster. But uh, yeah, congratulations to your Pac-12 run, which is now over. How do you think they are set up to fare in the Big Ten? Excellent. Better?
2: Yes.
3: Yes. They got a they got a coach who's stable. The money's right. The buzz is right. I mean, every like they're able to recruit. Mm-hmm. Everything looks good right now. As long as Dan Landing doesn't get caught up in some sort of weirdo scandal that caused <laughs> him to be immediately fired, then everything's okay.
4: They so just like find out that he he collects Nazi memorabilia like Mark Furman or something yeah (laughs) something just way out of left field I don't know man I've seen some Oregon fans in your mention he might actually like gain points with a couple of those dudes some of those people that live some of those people that live out in the trees they uh they are um
3: they got some I live out in the tree thoughts
4: yes they do they don't even like that the bark is brown but well, let's move on. Uh, Oregon State, Oregon State, their Pac-12 run. Um, it felt like they were always trying to ice skate uphill. And then at the end there, they really caught some traction. Uh, yep. how, how do you feel like they I mean, it's weird to say, how are they set up for the future? Because what even is the future? Um. But, yeah, I'm I'm really curious uh, what you think about their Pac-12 run and how they'll move Forward. Well,
3: first thing is their their history. Oregon State's history, they go through these ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? Like to where they they catch a little wave when the when the team is right and then they dip and they, but
1: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
3: That was, so they had a big uh, run in the right direction, like 2002, three, with. Dennis Erickson and then Mike Riley had some good times. Then he goes 10 and four, nine and four, nine and four. And I mean, he had a nice little run there at Oregon state. And then things got bad after he left. But, but even during those, those years, he had some five and seven, three and nine, you know, it's, it's ebbs and flows there. they it had was an bad extraordinary for a very-
4: amount of stability considering. That the beginning of their Pac-12 run was, well, not the beginning, but the next five, six years were treacherous.
3: Yes. And that's where if college football coaching was, is what it is now, Mike, Mike Riley would have got snatched up long before then.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And then Jonathan Smith gets the job in 2018 and it's just a steady ascension. It's just every single time, year, you're like, oh, they're a little bit better, a little bit better. They got the offense figured out. They got the defense figured out. And at places like Oregon State, Arizona, stuff like that, if you can figure out re- recruiting and stop recruiting off a list and worrying about how many stars a kid has and all of that and just go evaluate talent, you're going to be good because you are going to be able to get kids that the that the big schools and the big budgets are ignoring. And they're just as good as their players.
4: Yep. They got the stadium upgrade. I felt like, it, I I felt like maybe the most brutal thing of any, cause you know, Arizona fans are up in arms. Washington fans are up in arms. I think it was maybe most brutal that like, if the PAC 12 stays together, I think Jonathan Smith is still there. Yep. I think they're probably a top four team going into next year with a chance to, to, to maybe make us a, a serious run, surprise some people. And with 12 teams going to the college football playoff, all of a sudden you start to think of Oregon state as a contender. Um, and so I really feel, I actually do feel for them because what happened cost them dearly. Um, yep. Could they be fine? I don't know. Cause I honestly don't even know what life looks like for them moving forward. It's one of those things I got to see to actually understand. Oh, for sure.
3: For sure, because um, there there there's no clear path forward. Yeah, we're yes we're not even sure what forward looks like in the in the short term. They're a Mountain West school, sort of. Yeah, and they do still get to play Oregon, but like there's no chance that they upset Oregon. You know what I mean? Like like right. that's the. I think the bad part about it for their fans and for people who wanted that rivalry to keep on going is that when you look at one roster compared to the other, it's just not like, I mean, it's just not going to happen. And it, right and you can go into that game hoping against hope, but unless Oregon has a bunch of turnovers or something like that, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty.
4: I think they have a pretty obvious best year, worst year, 2022. Uh, yeah, winning ten wins, Vegas Bowl, um, and then the Gary Gary Anderson getting fired in the middle of the year, Corey Hall taking over, them going one and eleven, feels like the worst year, but it led to some cool things with Jonathan Smith. Um, See, best player is very tough. Mm. what's the <laughs> What's
3: the little five five foot five wide? Oh no, flip. That's, your, that's your favorite guy.
4: <laughs> no, it's not. He's not even a top five favorite receiver of mine. I just thought it was cool that he was out there doing like a Earl Boykins. Um, hmm. they had Brandon Cooks and Marcus Wheaton on the same roster.
3: Ooh, I'm gonna go with Brandon Cooks because that that boy was dangerous.
4: He was very very good. Uh, it's hard. It's also hard to not go with someone maybe more, more recent, you know. Um, But even then, it's not like, you know, they were given all the carries to Fenwick or all the carries to Martinez. So nobody like really blew up, blew up. Um, If you take Cooks, I'll take Wheaton. We'll just split the baby on that one. But it feels weird not picking a... uh, it always feels weird not picking like a, a Oregon state running back. Cause it feels like they've always been able to kind of run the ball a little bit.
3: No, that makes a lot of sense.
4: Definitely. Nobody on defense. No, in my opinion, <laughs> from the last, from their, from their PAC 12 run. Yeah. I mean, all right. Truth, I, go truth, for
3: it. Their all time best player is probably Chad Johnson.
4: Yeah. So a Steven Jackson was there. They had who's yep. Zada for a minute um man Dennis Erickson really went 11-1 with these dudes that's wild um all right so I have I'm officially stumped What what follows Oregon State in the alphabet we've been doing this for four and a half years and I still don't know like without pulling it up I don't know
3: uh Stanford
4: for real yeah all right, why not? Let's go to Stanford. If we're wrong, we'll find out. I mean, I mean,
3: I well, I mean, is USC a U or a?
4: It's got to be a U, okay. even though University of Oregon's not a U. Whatever, Stanford it is. It feels very <laughs> weird to be talking about Stanford and being dumb at the same time. Um, again, ACC. Uh if Troy Taylor is who he maybe feels like he could be, um maybe they have a decent future. Um they're still going to get 5 of the top 150 recruits in the country every single year because when Stanford offers your kid, it's very hard to say no. Correct. Um but they just they just went 3 and 9 3 years in a row. Yes. Their last and, four full seasons were all very bad.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. That's
4: very tough. Are they are they going to be Duke two in the ACC, or are they going to have like a crazy home field advantage from people having to fly all the way across the country? I mean, it's
3: certainly Dude, not. Gonna they be they fans. have no home field
4: advantage. Nobody they did is when they there. They did when they had to play in a park or whatever. Or practice in a park.
3: <laughs> That's funny. When they were up at, uh, yeah, when they went out to Washington and they were practicing in a park, bro. That's wild.
4: Uh, best player is this is the fun. This is the most fun one because it's it's McCaffrey or Luck. Even though they did have what like Solomon Thomas and, um, Toby Gerhart, and uh, that, I mean, there's a lot of dudes to choose from.
3: It's McCaffrey. He should have won the Heisman Trophy. He, like he had two luck. things going against him. Number number one, he was white at playing running back. <laughs> I definitely do that. I think it took people a while to – but because there was already that narrative about the Pac-12. So then it was, oh, white running back doing it in the soft Pac-12. <laughs> so I think that that yeah. was the narrative.
4: Yeah, now he's doing it in the soft NFC West, home of the most Super Bowl appearances of like any conference in the last 20 years. Um Yeah, I I'll say Andrew Luck, but that's a tough one, man. Um worst year is tough because you know, it's got to be one of the last 3. They did have a very good Pac-12 run.
2: Yeah.
3: Yes, they very good. Yes, they did it. It And remember, people were yelling at me and I was trying to I've been trying to yell at everybody since 2019 and tell them intellectual brutality is dead. And what do they say? No, it's not. No, it's not. He He'll be fine. No, that's not the truth. It was clear as day. That, the, that, that in 2017, that the, that the switch was flipping off. 2018, yeah. And 2019 goes from nine wins to four, and then four again yep. to three and three more. And the- I
4: thought NCAA rules always disadvantage Stanford, which is a dumb thing to hear yourself say out loud because you're like, oh, those poor Stanford kids. But the early signing day, brutal just brutal for them yeah
3: the recruiting because, didn't mm-hmm. match like the holdover from harbaugh was good but then something got lost in strategy and and like something got lost in the direction toward the end of david shaw's tenure and he couldn't get it back on track so yeah they, and it was they, they tried they to had the nine the wins
4: the nine wins, though, in 2017 and 2018, and some Stanford fans were like, well, we're closer to 11 wins than we are to seven. And there are people who felt very differently, and then it just all fell off. It fell off, really, when this podcast started, so maybe it's our fault.
3: No, I mean, we're we – We never are... got to
4: cover a good Stanford team.
3: Don't mind that. <laughs>
4: All right, I, but was the best I mean, year the, the Rose Thornton Bowl season? I mean, they were the Oregon
3: side, side for a long time.
4: I mean, they, I mean, it, it, they were – them being good is what really threw it over the top that the North dominated the South for the majority of the Pac-12.
3: Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, Oregon Oregon had USC – I mean, had Stanford trauma for a while.
4: So which Rose Bowl season was their best? The uh, 2015, 12-2, two, won the Rose Bowl, or – Twenty twelve. Twelve and two won the Rose Bowl. I'm going with twenty fifteen. Twenty
3: fifteen, because they actually won the Rose Bowl that year.
4: They won in twenty twelve, a- too.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um not, So their losses
4: not- in twenty fifteen were to Oregon by two and to Northwestern in week one of the season. Oh, that's Don't. when
3: they went oh, to North, Northwestern and played that early game?
2: hmm
4: And then in, in 2012, uh, their only losses were to Washington by four and Notre Dame by one score. And then they just rattled off, I think, eight straight to end the season, including running through four straight-ranked teams, Oregon State, number one Oregon at the time, number 15 UCLA and then turn around and beat UCLA again in the Pac-12 Championship one week later. 6 days. Now nah, they finished actually.
3: number number 3 in the nation so in 2015. So I'm going to take that 2015 with the Rose Bowl win.
4: All right. I'm going to I'm going to say because they beat the number 2 and number 3 team in the country. No, number 2 and number 1 team in the country in 2012 um USC and then at Oregon. I'll take that year. Because the beach of ducks.
3: Yeah. Um, so how do you think that they're going to fare in the ACC?
4: Better than Cal. Slightly better than Cal. I, I do think they'll be a top six, seven team right out of the gate. And then um, what will be very interesting is if the stability of the ACC comes into play. Because if, if you have Clemson and Florida State break off, um, then maybe Stanford is like, hey, we could win this thing. So. We'll see. Yep,
2: yeah,
3: we shall see. All right. Uh, next team up is, I guess we go to from Stanford to the U's, right? So I then, suppose
4: why not Utah?
3: Okay, so then that goes UCLA.
4: Or UCLA again can't alphabet English major from Arizona State can't alphabet. Here we go, UCLA. Um, they believe it or not, only had three coaches in the Pac-12 era. They had two interims, Jed Fish for two games in 2017 and Mike Johnson for two games in 2011.
3: Ooh, so they had Mora, Chip,
4: and... They had one year of New Heisel, the yeah. first year of Pac-12 play.
3: they are not better off than they were. I mean, it's so hard for me because they're not recruiting.
4: Yes. Mora Mora was recruiting, but those kids were would flame out like good kids with really good evaluations. Like Jalen Phillips had to go to Miami to like do something different, you know? Yeah. I just
3: don't understand like how they are so, Bad at recruiting. I mean, when you look at UCLA in 2024, right? According to 24-7, they are, Lord have mercy, let let me find them all the way down in the 40s. And I can't find them. They've had continuity at head coach for quite some time. Right. Like they've been living in the portal. Oh, my God. Where are they? They're below you. The hell are they doing? I thought I had to have passed them, bro. They have 11 commits in 2024.
4: And they're probably all like six foot, three and a half, thirty 30 530 away from being able to get on the field. Ralph, they're ranked
3: number seventy-seven. They have one four-star kid, 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 kid I know named Quasi Gilmore at wideout. He'll be good. Um, I don't Los Angeles, California. They are all very tall. Jeez,
4: that is what he tall kids that sleep nine hours a night and don't have shellfish allergies. That's that's Chip Kelly, and they have eleven
3: transfers. D-line, offensive tackle safety cornerback long snapper linebacker edge edge kicker wide receiver and safety that's what they got
2: yeah so
3: i mean you recruiting rankings aren't everything as we all under no. uh, understand but you're going to have more success if you put good coaching with higher rank recruits. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the strategy is, but, um, but then there's also talk that chip may be headed to the NFL,
4: which is very strange to me,
3: bro. Cause this timing would be atrocious. However, though, if he does go to the NFL, somebody's getting that job and oh, UCLA is sure. not going to hire an inexperienced head coach. I don't think
4: there's guys out here interviewing for jobs right now. Now, do I think they come back to college football, but no, but David Shaw put his name back out there. Like there's there, you know, I'm, there will be people available. Will it be the best person available? Probably not. Well, but like
3: UCLA's AD Jarmon and UCLA is clearly being very aggressive because they're going to the big 10, but I don't know how you leave them. Like, how do you do that? Right. I mean, how, who do you hire at UCLA? If chip leaves,
4: man, I would, I would probably re- I mean, I probably reach out to one of these and I know it's hard to get people out of the NFL at this point. I know that, but, um, Baltimore's got a hell of an offensive coordinator, man. They really do. And he won a national championship. Hold Georgia, on. Won two national could championships you take
3: UCLA's U- USC's d- defensive coordinator back from
4: <laughs> <And> <laughs> To be your you? head coach? Yes. That'd be so funny. <laughs> uh, we t- we remember before the season, we were like D'Anton Lynn's never called the defense. This could be disastrous for UCLA. He was like the best hire of the year. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. So here is one that I think maybe you'll have a tough time with. Best player of the Pac-12 era for UCLA.
3: Got to be the quarterback. Okay, first of all. They have three
4: very, very, very good quarterbacks in this time.
3: You know who I'm gonna go
4: with?
2: Who?
3: Hold on, let me let me Google his name to make sure the years that he played. Um, because if so, I'm th- this is an easy selection for me because, on one hand, I thought the guy was. Uh, so he got drafted in. 2014 perfect okay perfect Anthony Barr
4: he's very good he's very good I don't know if I'd put him above Eric Kendricks but he is very 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 good I mean he was kind of better than Kendricks on one of the teams where they were on the yeah. same team together
3: yeah correct um, he was and and if you think about it he was doing what Latu was doing this year except for yeah. Latu he did it longer at UCLA than Latu did. So I think that you have to put him above Latu, even though that Latu yeah. may end up being better, but Anthony Barso playing in the league too.
4: I will say they, they had some very, I mean, they, they probably had four of my favorite running backs in the PAC 12 era. Um, the fact that they still were mediocre is wild to me. They had definitely some of my favorite linebackers. They had um, both a Diggy Zua's, on the yep. on the um, defensive line. They had so many good players. But it's funny because you get into the quarterback thing and you're like, okay, well, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was a quarterback there for five years, but I don't think he ever had a double-digit win season. So then you go, well, what about the guy that was picked 10th overall, Josh Rosen, who took the whole country by storm? Maybe. But truly the quarterback that they had the most success with is is Brett Hundley. Yeah. And so I think I, think I have to go Brett Hundley because wasn't he part of the 10-win teams?
3: Brett Hundley. Oh god. Yes. Yes he was, bro. They and he was super good.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I when they've also had some really good o linemen. And then they they had Tack McKinley too, who I always forget what went to UCLA, but um yeah, I don't know. To me I'm an, I'm going to go Brett Hundley, but like that's a tough one with Rosen and and uh and Dorian Thompson-Robinson there and then just all of those linebackers, running backs, it's such a surprise that they That they didn't put together better years. Which of the 10-win seasons do you think was better? Because um, they actually, I think in 20, in one of the years, they lost to like every ranked team they played. Yeah. Um, I know they lost to Oregon. Um, They lost to Oregon both those years, actually. Yeah, Um, they they haven't beat Oregon. But they did beat USC twice. So maybe it's a tie. Maybe it's a tie between both those seasons, um, but yeah, I don't know. How do you think they'll fare in the Big Ten? I think terrible,
3: terrible, terrible. I mean, they will be what Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers are now. They'll yeah have a. I think it was a waste of their entire. In the Big Ten.
4: Huh? You think four and five, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think disastrous. Think about it, dude. They, they spent the last five years trying to get big for the PAC 12. Now they're going to go after spending the last five years, trying to get big, go be undersized in conference. They should like, if they had, they focused on speed and athleticism. Then maybe they would have some type of like gimmick to get through this.
3: Mm. Okay, let's see their schedule.
4: I think Um, they're going to suck. I think the only reason you would hear Chip Kelly thinking about being an offensive coordinator instead of getting five-plus million dollars a year to keep his job would be if he knew it, too.
3: (laughs) So they play at Hawaii, so they'll win that game. They play Indiana at LSU. LSU yikes, Oregon at Penn State,
4: okay, so what's their record right
3: through five games
4: two and three optimistically,
3: then they play Minnesota that
4: they, that feels evenly matched, yeah,
3: at Rutgers, toss up at Nebraska.
4: Okay. Iowa. Okay.
3: At Washington. Okay. And USC.
4: I think that's a five-win team at best. I don't mean to be a hater. I I just never thought the Big Ten was a good place for UCLA.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a roster, bro. Or you got to have a gimmick. Mm Mm-hmm. Have a roster which, or or a gimmick,
4: which USC and, has. Yep, UCLA does not.
3: Okay, now on to USC. Mm-hmm. USC, I mean, they are in the Lincoln Riley era. How are you judging them so far? Uh, well, 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 actually, I would say first, how would you judge their Pac-12 era,
4: considering that they were had some sanctions um i would say it was probably overall disappointing they had five five double digit win seasons in 12 years of the of the pack 12 you ha- if you're usc you have to consider that a disappointment because you had five double digit win seasons from 04 to 08 right so yeah um i think overall it was an extreme disappointment Um, the fact that even when they went 11 and three people hated Clay Helton, the fact that they hung on for another four years and two games, uh, I think upset a lot of that fan base and they were ready to be back back in 2022 and thought they'd be building on it in 2023. So I think they end the PAC 12 era with a really, really bad taste in their mouth. There was not a single season, um, not a single season in which, uh, and I, I know that 2020 being in there probably maybe shouldn't count, but there's not a single season in here where they didn't lose um, less than three games. Except for the first year of the Pac-12 when they were not allowed to participate in a bowl. So I think uh, overall, that you, based on the standard at USC, I think it was a really, really bad time because they were in a down Pac-12 South the entire time as well. And they couldn't win it. Nope. And they uh, did not play in a bowl in 2021, did not play in a bowl in 2018, and then were not allowed to, I believe, in 2010 and 2011. So three of the years, didn't make a bowl, don't count the COVID year, but that's not USC's standard, not by a long shot. Bro, that's
3: crazy that they they tarmac Lane at, at three and two that's wild um um but because because he had had a 10 win season then was seven and six and then started out the season two two and three sayonara buddy (laughs) and went through sark clay helton yeah this was this was not the move pal but um i would say that they're for USC, they're not going to feel like the Pac-12 run was good at all because they're USC and they believe that they are supposed to be at the top of the mountaintop and they have um yeah, and they are supposed to be at the at the top of the mountaintop. Yeah. So I agree. and they're not going to be happy with that.
4: And I, it's weird because we talk about like best year or whatever. And even by USC fan standards, I don't think they they have a lot of best years in here, but you do have to point out the fact that Clay Helton did win a Rose bowl in 2016. So, and, and they were, they finished top 10. Uh, The best they actually did was, was under Clay Helton with two top 10 finishes. Yep. um, Which is probably a hard pill to swallow because they didn't want that dude there. Um, And yeah, I would have to say that winning the Rose Bowl is probably their best Pac-12 year, 2016, right? Yep,
3: for sure. Um, Who
4: is the, the guy? Because, I mean, then then you're probably it's saying... Caleb well, Williams.
3: It, it is Caleb Williams.
4: Over Sam Darnold?
3: Yes. One guy has... Do, you, do uh, you remember how you brought that Heisman Trophy thing up to me about they got an all-time great and a number one pick? Yes. He's going to the College Football Hall of Fame, everything else. They got a jersey. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to the College Football Hall of Fame. He's not going to be remembered with the love that he probably should be.
4: Yeah, probably leaving after being a redshirt sophomore. um, Not great. Uh, And it was really that freshman season that was his best.
3: And was he an All American? I don't know because you can't go to the College Football uh, Hall of Fame if you're not if you haven't been an All American.
4: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I do know that he. Um, yeah, lost so there to are Ohio some all time greats
3: that aren't even eligible.
4: He lost a rivalry game to Notre Dame. He lost a rivalry game to Stanford. He lost at Utah. He lost to Alabama, but he didn't really. I mean, he didn't really play – he didn't actually play in that Stanford and Alabama game. So that first year when he took over, he – after losing to Utah, he never lost again. Um, It really was a pretty magical run that last, like, nine games of, of the 2016 season. Skill-wise, I'll give you Caleb. Um, But that season, the way it ended, would they lose to, like, Tulane or something?
3: Yeah. I mean, but well, yeah. I mean, C-
4: Caleb is better than Sam Darn. In my mind, he's better. Was he a better Trojan?
3: Yeah. All right. So let's let's just look at right, yeah. pro football yeah. Hall of Famers that aren't in the college football Hall of Fame. Right. Okay. I- Eric Dickerson. Right. Lynn Dawson. Anthony Munoz. Wow. Who was also a pitcher for the their national championship team as well in baseball, mm-hmm. um, Bruce Matthews, John Mackey, who the college award for tight ends is named after, <laughs> Larry Wilson, um, Lou Groza, who the who the kicking award the is, award named, is named, named after, yeah, uh, Joe Namath, Joe Montana, and Vince Lombardi,
4: yeah. All right, well I'll throw I'll throw one other name out there in the Pac-12 era because I you you brought up D'Anthony Thomas and so I think just on the level of excitement alone uh you have to you have to say this guy's name and that's Adoree Jackson.
3: Yeah. Eh, I think he was a little bit over overrated compared to the hype, but like and when I and when I say the over the word overrated, I mean no disrespect with that. I mean he was super good. But I think that, like, Robert Woods would have been better.
4: Yeah, but but Adoree, I'm talking – so Adoree won the Thorpe. He did? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, too. So I'm not even talking about his special teams or offense.
3: Wow. I didn't know that. I th- yeah, <sighs> he was he, – he Oh, the, that Jackson must have been did- the year before he came out, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, because cause the year he ended up coming out, yeah, they threw at him at Utah. I didn't think that, <laughs> that was tough.
4: Yeah, okay. but I, they, you know they have a lot of good players. I mean, they had players that were not good in college who you knew were good that are tearing it up in the NFL like Amon Ross St. Brown. So yep. um, And then they had the re- like the rental guys like Jordan Addison. And, like, yes, he deserves to be in a conversation about just overall greatness, but maybe not but no. as a Trojan. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um yeah. Okay, so who do, so how are they positioned to go into the Big 10?
4: Better than UCLA, but still not I'm not uh, super confident.
3: So their 2024 schedule. So L- LSU's whole year is going to d- depend on how they fare in the beginning of the season versus uh you UC- said USC then UCLA. So they yeah. got LSU win or loss. It's an allegiance. I,
4: I think it's a toss up. Here you you, you want to know my 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 primary worry about USC? My What's that? Primary worry. The way that the LA and surrounding area high school coaches talk about him. Because yeah. now you're going into the Big Ten and you should own Southern yep. California. You should Correct. Because, because you should be able to say
3: we're we're going to go play against all of them. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I want to go to Ohio State. No, you get a chance to play against them here. We are. Yeah.
4: Because even if you have somebody who grew up a UCLA fan that rushes for six thousand yards at the high school level and wants to go to UCLA, if they're not five, nine then Chip Kelly's not going to take him. Like, so you like that there has never been a bigger opportunity for a monopoly over some of the best athletes in the country than there is right now for USC. But you listen to some of the ways that the high school coaches talk about him and it is not encouraging. Yeah. I think it's repairable because you're still USC. Well,
3: yeah. Cause see the uh, problem is, is that you can't look snooty about the California kids and then want to get more California kids. So on some level, like you do have to scratch your back every now and then. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, um. okay, so they got LSU, uh, Utah State, at Michigan, Wisconsin, at Minnesota, Penn State, at Maryland, Rutgers, at Washington, Nebraska, at UCLA, and Notre Dame. I think that this, dude, they they got a chance because Michigan's going to be down some, mm-hmm. except they probably still will be exceptionally physical, so that could present a problem. But this yeah. looks like a nine-win team to me. I don't see them winning seven games again.
4: No, but nine is also not the standard. This is Lincoln Riley. What Like nine wins at Oklahoma would have got him strung up. So I don't know, dude. I I, they they definitely to me seem very much better positioned than UCLA, and then just based on talent loss alone, I would say probably Washington as well. If I I were them, love the move. If I if I were
3: them, the one thing I would want to do is switch the Notre Dame game with the Maryland game. So then we can play Penn State, then Notre Dame. If we drop those two, then on the back end, we got uh, Rutgers, Washington, who's going to be down a little bit, uh, Nebraska, UCLA, and then finish the season with with Maryland. Yeah. like So then you got all of this mo- momentum and runway heading into the bowl
4: game. Uh, I need a five-minute. Correction. Uh,
3: now, on to the Utah Utes, because, Ralph, I actually think that they had the best run in the Pac-12 from where they came from, because you would not have expected, like if I told you when they first entered the Pac-12, they came in the same time as Colorado, and they have had a much easier time in the Pac-12 than Colorado has.
4: Definitely, uh, that that is true. You know how sometimes they say that like there, there's a there's no better Christian than a convert, right? Yes. Like if, if you were raised in it, maybe you take it for granted. But like if you if you're one of those big tent revival converts, then they, it's about to become your whole life, <laughs> your your whole personality. Uh, you'd be down at the river doing baptisms every weekend. I feel like Utah is the quintessential Pac-12 member. They embraced it more than anybody else. They went they left kicking and screaming. They hate the idea of going to the Big 12, even though I feel like they'll fit in fine there. Um, and they really, really finished strong. The bizarre stat about how strong they finished, though, is that they are 0-5 in bowl games since 2018.
3: Yeah, that that's actually a little bit surprising because you would have thought that they would have been better in bowl games considering how much success that the team had.
4: I mean, as an Arizona State fan, I've built my whole person personality around a 1996 Rose Bowl loss. So I mean, I can't imagine the joy of going to a Rose Bowl in back-to-back seasons like they did in 2021 and 2022. Uh, but they did lose them both. They they did go 10 and four both times. But in I mean, if you throw 2020 out and you just say the last four seasons, um, 11 and three in 2019, 10 and four in 2021, 10 and four in 2022. And eight and five in 2023 without their quarterback. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have nothing but good to say about how Utah adapted, how they slowly built their program to uh, be better than UCLA, be better than USC, overtake Arizona State, who they struggled with for 15, 16 years. Um, even outside of the time in the Pac 12 struggle with Arizona State, uh, they overtook them. Um, they, they really were the pride of the Pac 12 South and had um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top 25 finishes as a member of the Pac-12. Very, very impressive.
0: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real steal. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
3: That makes a lot of sense to me um, for, for Utah because they, in like when, when they were able to hire Kyle Whittingham, they did a great job. Like that was an excellent hire and they found somebody who was willing to stay. Cause how many times do you think that he's been offered jobs?
4: Based on your definition of offered probably every five seconds for the last 10 years, like the, the the idea that he's on people's wish lists. I mean, and then we were getting rumors that he was going to retire and he, and he signed an extension, you know? Yep. Um, and given, you know, a couple of players passing away in a short amount of time, that's a lot to deal with. I get it. Yeah,
3: it was probably very emotional.
4: But he – I mean, when people think of Utah, they think of him. They don't even think of Urban Meyer anymore. Like, he took over for Urban Meyer, and and he, most of his assistants have been with him for a very long time. He's got more program loyalty than any college football program that isn't uh, – you know, built-in nepotism of like the Iowa Hawkeyes or whatever. He's got he, he's got so many assistants that have been yeah, with yeah. But him is for that really loyalty? Time. I don't know. I don't know because well, you're talking about Morgan Scalley Be hard to get a job no, anywhere else. No, no, no.
3: Well, well, no, no. I was I was talking about the Iowa situation.
4: On at the the only person you need to be loyal at Iowa is whoever's signing the check. So somebody's loyal to somebody over at Iowa. Um, and the rest of it, you know, is just whatever Kirk Ferentz wants, you know. But yeah, I, I think Utah is a, maybe a healthier situation, even though Iowa fans will tell you, well, we won 10 games too. Um, sure. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> Utah, Utah had a better offense than you starting a pig farmer. So a walk-on pig farmer. Um, I do not believe Utah to be the Iowa of the Pac-12, but they, they, I don't know. I, I can't say enough good about Utah. Objectively speaking, if you're holding every team to the same standard, was Utah the best? No. Um, they may might not even be in the top three. Yeah. But as far as expectations, how they acclimated, what they overcame, the program's stability. The excitement, the fan base, like, I just couldn't say enough good about them. And to know that they hated leaving the Pac-12 more than anyone else, I think, gives me a little bit more affinity for Utah than most of the other fan bases.
2: Yeah.
3: And I believe that they are headed in the right direction. And I actually think that they're actually poised to do really well in the Big 12. I mean, when you look at what the Big 12 has left, Oklahoma State, can you talk and compete with them? Yeah. Iowa State? Yeah. Kansas State? West Virginia? Texas Tech? Kansas? UCF? TCU? Houston? BYU? Baylor? And Cincy? I, this seems uh, exactly where they should be.
4: It's a different welcome, though. When they came to the Pac-12, we were like, hey, you know, cool, another win for us. The Big 12 – um, the Big 12 is, already hates them so much. There is already so much built-in animosity toward Utah. Uh, every environment they go to is going to be extra hostile. And I've tried to warn these Big 12 fans, George, like you you guys don't know what you're getting into. This team is nasty. You will leave a win against Utah feeling like you lost. Yep.
3: That's a fact.
4: But I don't know. who. What would you say their best year is and best player?
2: Mm. They
4: did have the 11 win 2019 but it wasn't a Rose Bowl year. 2021 and 2022 were Rose Bowl years. In 2021 they went 8 and 1 in conference.
3: Um I think I'm going back way too far with like with like Star uh Atel uh
4: Starlo Tuley or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, but probably ooh, or Devin
4: uh huh?
3: Uh the linebacker, Devin number Lloyd. zero. Yes.
4: De- yeah. So that was the twenty twenty one year is was like Cam Rising's first year on the job. Yeah. Twenty touchdowns, five interceptions. You had the Tavian Tavion Thomas, who is one one of the players that uh unfortunately lost his life, eleven hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, and then you had Devin Lloyd, who was probably the best defensive player in the Pac-12, you know, 22 tackles for a loss, seven sacks, um, scored twice, uh, had four picks. It, it, that was a really, really good year. And I think they still had some of those D linemen, like, uh, like Van Fillinger. And I don't know. That, that was a really, really good team. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think maybe 2021 is it for me. It's hard to believe Cole Bishop was still there at that time. Uh, Clark Phillips. He actually might be
3: like, he's one of those staples of the program.
4: Or like, didn't they have Britton Covey at like 25, (laughs) 25 year old Britton Covey.
3: Yeah. You're you're like, get your old ass uh, up out of here.
4: Who would you say the, the best player of the Pac-12 era was for, for Utah? And it can't be an offensive player, can it?
3: Uh, I think he's got to be a defensive player. It it has to be. Because like their defense it has it been the right. thing that has been their calling card and their hallmark.
4: Devin Lloyd's pretty good, but you'd be talking about Bradley Anai. You'd talk, be talking about being better than Leckie Foto. So – I don't know. I think it's a it's a tough question, but I don't think you can go wrong with Devin Lloyd. If you did have to pick somebody on offense, maybe a Zach Moss.
3: Um hmm. Ooh, Zach Moss was really good. I forgot about about him. Um Yeah? Yeah, either it's, Devin Lloyd or Zach Moss.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go with you. Devin Lloyd's got to be it's got to be him. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Cause they 'cause they've had some really good defenders on that on that team. So
4: put you on the spot if you had to, if somebody handed you five thousand cash and they said all you can do with this cash is bet on the winner of the Big Twelve next year. But you could split up the money if you want to, but you don't have to.
3: I am putting Half my money on Utah. Half my money on Arizona.
4: Man, I don't think Big Twelve fans are gonna like the new guys coming in. And-
3: Mm-mm. No,pe. Whereas in the uh, SEC, I think they're gonna hate Texas, but they won't mind Oklahoma as much.
4: It'll be interesting for sure.
3: Well, e- but 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 even Oklahoma is gonna cause a, a little bit of chaos if they go to nine conference games, bro. They are gonna be miserable.
4: For sure. Well, Washington Huskies' best year is going to be the easiest thing we've ever done.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on to the Washington Huskies. Washington Huskies' best year, 2023. They went undefeated. Only team in Pac-12 history to go to a uh to go through the conference play undefeated. They beat Oregon again in the conference championship game, get to the playoff beat Texas, end up in a natty, and then run out of gas versus Michigan.
4: Run out of gas versus Michigan, but I do want to point out, had four opportunities in the second half to tie the game. Correct. Four. Yeah, so, so like, they, they didn't get want to talk about it being blown a blowout. Off. It felt like it at the end, but that's just because you got people playing desperate. Yeah, um,
3: and turning it over in your own territory and all of that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, four opportunities to tie it in the second half, though, is about as close as you could hope for. Um, they just got punched in the mouth. Uh, best, would you say the best player has to come from this team then? Because mm. they I mean, their legacy of defensive backs is crazy in the Pac-12 era.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, Byron Murphy, Buddha. Vega. Yeah, Buddha Baker. Um, oh God, I forgot his name. The uh, cornerback over at Tennessee, whose dad went to Oregon. Oh my gosh, his name is just staring me right in the face. Um. Anyways, yeah, their 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 defense has been particularly at the defensive back spot has been special. And I look at them and hmm, what else? Like that this season was so special, but their road has been a little bit hectic because the the Chris Peterson years were obviously really good, but not really like marked with the type of success that they would have wanted, except for the year that obviously they went to the college football playoff but they were so far away in that moment that it was probably hard for them to. I enjoy it because yeah. it felt like a little bit hollow. Cause they were like, we weren't even close. Yeah. Like we were undefeated in that season and we weren't even close. Like we got our, like we
4: got everything pushed in. Wasn't good. <laughs> Jeez. So wait, were you talking about Marcus Peters or Shaq Thompson or Desmond Trufant? Who Who are you?
3: Oh, Oh, Mark Mar- Marcus Peters was was really good. Um oh God, he got drafted by the Titans two years ago.
4: Oh two oh, years. Oh oh
3: molden. Molden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. because his dad went to Oregon. So everybody was like, Bro, what's what's up with you? But I and they get had it.
4: like they had monsters too. They had what, Danny Shelton and Vita Vay in yes. the Pac twelve era?
3: Yep. Yep, and if you're going in the NFL, then yeah, you're. If you're including their NFL career, then Vita V has been the best.
4: He's been great for sure. Um, it's we and it's weird because you have the different chapters. The Sark leaving for USC, pretty pretty big deal at the time. Um, the Peterson years, you know, I think Kalen DeBoer even kind of eclipsed them. You know, Jimmy Lake was only the head coach for. Thirteen games. Yep. And no, I didn't get him fired. That was his fault. Um, every once in a while, people point out on Twitter that I was standing in my living room, video taping my TV <laughs> when he <laughs> popped Rupera, uh, Ruperaki Favai in the in the helmet. I tweeted it out, and then it became a thing. Like, trust me, they were already. Jen Cohen was already talking about it, regardless of whether somebody put it on Twitter or not.
3: Dude, so 0-12, um, so they went 0-12 in and and 8 and I remember Reggie Williams being in the locker room with me in Jacksonville, him and Kalief Barnes from Washington, and I was like, oh, y'all went defeated this season. <laughs> That's where I coined the term defeated instead of undefeated. And they,
4: That wasn't even the only time they pulled that off in Pac-12 play.
3: Well, they, they were 0-12 on the season.
4: They were twelve in the season. They went one and ten, and oh four, oh and eight in Pac ten play. I still remember that.
3: Sheesh, Keith Gilbertson. That was the Keith Gilbertson era.
4: Yeah, Uh, they've been good though. They've been good. They got three top ten finishes since twenty sixteen, I believe. Made the college football playoff twice. Yep. Um. They got a Fiesta Bowl, they got a Rose Bowl, they got a Sugar Bowl. I think it was a good run. I don't think it was the best. I think you. I don't. It's weird because you want to say like Oregon probably had a better run than they did. Maybe make the argument that it was close, but you did have you do have to factor in the Jimmy Lake year, and I think that gives the edge to Oregon um, and the fact that you know uh, they Sark had this you know, seven wins, seven wins, eight wins. Uh, and then Peterson also had a seven win year. So uh, it's probably Oregon as far as the best team of the, the, the PAC 12 era, but Washington yeah, was they won the conference
3: four times. Mm-hmm. And Washington won it three USC only won it once in the PAC 12 era. Wild. Stanford run it twice and Utah won it twice in the story.
4: Yeah. Um, Best year is, is, is easy. Second best year would be the fun debate because I, and I think it could go on forever. Worst year feels like the Jimmy Lake year, but they were pretty pissed off when Sark left. <laughs> and I know they went eight and six the next year, four and five in conference, but they were, they spent, I, I remember them spending all of 2014 pretty salty.
3: Oh, hell yeah, bro. They were big mad, big mad. Um, yeah. And Would so,
4: you, so what about, so is best player, do you have to ignore all those defensive studs to say Penix or a because they went 14 and one this year?
3: I am going to ignore the defensive guys, not because they shouldn't be in consideration, but just because it's very hard to put a defensive guy and quantify his impact compared to a quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. Like this was a program potentially changing time if Kalen DeBoer had stayed. Yeah. But now it's a reset, which is crazy. Like to think that yeah. they were in this position, I mean, it's got to feel like this is way worse, a hundred times worse than what it was for Oregon fans when Taggart and Cristobal left. Because you felt Uh, like you were in – bro, I'm telling you. Because people liked Chris Cristobal, but it was also frustrating to watch him because even though on paper their teams would be more talented, you wouldn't blow people out and you would lose games. They'd be closer than you want and all this stuff. And like if Dan left, this is what it would feel like for Oregon fans, what it felt like with Kalen DeBoer. Because for Washington fans, even though you weren't 100% sure about his recruiting, you were sure about his coaching.
4: Yeah. What a coach, dude, for for sure. Uh and we'll remind people that in the early years of this podcast, we hated that man <laughs> because of what he was doing to Pac twelve teams while at Fresno. Um But yeah, he, he was uh he's a special guy and I think that um that brings up the next question. They've got Jed Fish. Yep. Proven program rebuilder. Yep. Um, but they got to switch conferences while breaking in a new head coach and trying to retain what they can of the roster would you put them above or below USC in confidence moving into the Big Ten
3: I am putting them oof I am putting them above up... Above USC.
4: So they got Will because, Rogers. Huh? They got Will Rogers. Yep. They got him to come back. Uh, f- bringing DeMond Williams from being committed to Arizona to being committed to Washington could be. Yeah. That could yeah, be serious I, down yeah, the line. They found payments. a
3: way to recruit guys who would block and run and all of this stuff at Arizona watching with the resources, they should be able to do better. Like I'm more encouraged and like, I just don't. And with USC, Lincoln Riley's obviously a really good offensive coach. He's got to get to running the ball a little bit more. Like he's got to do a little reset on offense as well as the defense. So we'll see.
4: I feel like Kalen DeBoer is a better coach than Jed Fish. But I feel like if you're going to lose Kalen DeBoer, maybe one of the best things that could have happened to you is getting Jet Fish. And if any Arizona fans are still listening to this, I'm sorry, but he he was a good coach. And you know he was, or you wouldn't be mad.
3: Correct. Bingo. Bingo, buddy. Yeah, right. you, would that, not, you wouldn't give a damn.
4: That brings us to the weirdest uh pack 12 run of any team the most nonsense by far uh spent a year competing to go to the national championship also had some absolute stinkers lost a coach for being the same religion as his boss but claiming that the religion told him to do something different than his boss wanted him to do and the state wanted him to do um
3: Yeah, possibly is...
4: the most bizarre tenure, Washington State.
3: Oh yeah, with Nick Rolovich. Yep, yep, yep. I lost a friend over this, which is which is crazy.
4: Over um, over, like somebody who worked at Washington State. Yeah. And yeah,
3: so, and so now they're sitting there with Jake Dickert, and they have not had. I mean, like the Mike Leach years look like the golden years right now. I mean aside from the Mike Price years.
4: Yeah. This looks
3: amazing. The 98911 wins. He figured something something out. And now with them not heading into a conference, I just don't know how I don't know, man. This th- this just I don't know what the future looks like for them.
4: I hate I definitely hate it for them. Um, they also are going to look back on the PAC 12 era in, I think, interestingly, because they got, okay. So let's say that you're on Nick Rolovich's side. You believe that you got screwed three times. You got screwed out of the opportunity to compete for the college, uh, uh, football playoff by the conference, (laughs) by the conference, you got screwed out of your head coach, depending on what you believe there in Nick Rolovich, and you got screwed out of being in any conference at all based on the breakup of, of the Pac-Twelve.
3: Yeah, that's nasty work, bro.
4: hmm
3: I mean, that's really that's that's nasty work. And um and when you look at their schedule for twenty twenty four, they start out with Portland State. Then they got Texas Tech, Washington with the Apple Cup, San Jose State at Oregon State, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, New Mexico, Hawaii, Utah State, and Wyoming. I just don't know how their fans stay engaged past the beginning of the season. Because you're not used to, after the Oregon State game then San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, New Mexico. Like, even if they win all of those games, is it going to feel good?
4: Uh, You're just always going to be reminded that everybody left without you.
3: Yep. And you're still trying trying to find a home. Yeah. That makes it real tough.
4: I feel, I do be, and I feel so bad. And I, this isn't like, I just, I kind of feel like they got screwed and I feel the same way for, for Oregon state. But I, I look at the other things that happened to Washington state while they were in the conference. Now it wasn't all bad. Refs gave them a fifth down and they beat Arizona state with it. So I don't know if that's a good trade-off.
3: That definitely helped them.
4: <laughs> but it, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't. It's one of those things where we talk about, like, how do you feel about them moving forward? I don't even know if they're going to be able to get the talent anymore. And, like, if you can't oh, get the to, talent. Oh, to
3: make these runs like this? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think you that, know,
3: that part of it is going to be very tough.
4: How does the pack 2 factor into the auto bids? Would you consider no. if Washington State went 11-1, and are they then the top group of five team? And then they get Ooh. into the college football playoff?
3: That's a good question. That's a legitimate question. Are they the top group of five team? Because that is... Damn. I would say the answer to that is yes. Yeah, because you, cause you can't call them a power five anymore. Yeah. Yep. All I right, you-
4: ultimate ultimate debate question, because they didn't actually have... that. I think this is what made Mike Leach's tenure so special... They didn't actually have a ton of really good players. Um, they had some stat-popping pop, pop quarterbacks. And to me, it comes down to Luke Falk or Gardner okay. Minshew. And you can't factor in any NFL anything. Gardner Minshew had the best in individual year team success-wise. Yeah. But when I think of Washington State, I think of Luke Falk because he was –
3: yeah, his numbers were gaudy, bro. His numbers were gaudy and incredible.
4: Fourteen thousand four hundred eighty-one yards, hundred and nineteen <laughs> touchdowns.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that offense is actually harder to score in the in the red zone than it is during the rest of the field.
4: Yeah, R- respect. I get respect to Gardner Minshew, but I when I, when I think of Washington State. It's Luke Falk, and that's that's it. To me, he. I think of the Leach era, and I think of Luke Falk, and I think of the fact that like every single year when they came to town, you knew he was going to put four fifty on you.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the only people that could stop them, well, that could stop that air raid was the uh, was was Cal, was Cal and Washington, where they only. Defenses that figured out how to how to do it, and it Used was way. Whittingham better. fits. Yeah.
4: All right. Fun. More fun challenge. More fun challenge. Best defensive player of the, <laughs> of the Washington State, Pac-12 era. And is there uh,
3: a Hercules? Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, D lineman Hercules. I, f- I forgot his last name.
4: That that that'll go you right there. Can't remember his last. I'll I'll, I'll say Dayon Buchanan. Even though, I think he he probably was just first round pick based off measurables. But yeah. Man, the stuff that Washington State was able to accomplish with Mike Leach with the level of talent they had, you gotta. And I, I Mike Leach used to drive me nuts, blaming everything on everybody. But you look back at the talent he had, and maybe he was right. <laughs> maybe he was right to be trashing his players all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we got too fat and
3: happy and entitled and.
4: Yeah. Well, yep. that brings us to, uh, to to the end, man. Um, favorite Pac-12 memory for you?
3: Ooh. It's got to be Pac-12 after dark. Okay. Just because of the instability that it caused and how everybody knew it was a real thing and that you couldn't trust. You couldn't trust the number one team in the nation versus... You know the worst team in the conference on a Friday night, or a Thursday night, or <laughs> a Saturday seven thirty eight o'clock kick. You couldn't trust it.
4: Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, I'm gonna miss so much about it. Ashley, Yogi, Mike, um, some of these coaches. Uh, man, I, I'll tell you my best, my my favorite Pac-12 memory. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, 2019
0: Pac-12 media day. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut... Also available in Grapefruit and Lavender Scents at a nearby retail store.
3: Why, why is that?
4: Uh, because I told oh. you I was thinking about starting a podcast and you said, I'll be your first guest. And we sat down on a couch and recorded the first episode right there. And it went so well that we were like, why don't we just co-host?
3: Yep. Oh, yes, point. exactly. Yeah, because a... Me being your first guest turned into us doing a podcast together.
4: Yeah, because I told you, I was like, I offered it to Yahoo, and they don't want it. And you were yep. like, do it anyway. And so with a handheld recorder, we made our first show maybe 20 yards from Larry Scott, from Rick Neuheisel, <laughs> from a bunch of people that were sitting in the media room. Uh And yeah, man, I'm glad. I'm glad that day happened, for sure.
3: Me too, man. Me too. I, I, and for more reasons than just the Pac-12 apostles, our friendship and everything else along, along the way. Um, but you guys, though, you guys can hit us up with your favorite Pac-12 memory. Oh, Ralph, what we do have to do is there were people who tweeted some stuff to
4: us. <laughs> yep, that is true. I will. Let me pull that up right now. Promise that I would read it out loud. Don't want to break a promise on the way out, do we? No way. All right.
3: Okay, so I see one from um, uh, the Best Pac-12 Moments, and this is from Alan Shoebridge. He said he has two. The 2015 Rose Bowl, great game, great weather, to see Mariota in person. Also, the 94-95 men's basketball season, was his first year at UO. Went to every game at Matt Court. Saw him beat number two U- UCLA. Played pickup games with some of the team that year. Fun times. He said, "I lived a, w- a block away from Matt Court. Loved that place. Scoreboard would shake, and the noise was unbelievable." Years later, I saw Luke Jackson score 31 of UO's last 33 points. I was watching that game, including wow. 28 in a row against Colorado in the NIT. Most dominant in-person performance that I've seen, and. Dude, that was a time. Like Matt Court is one of the most unbelievable places in the in the to watch basketball. Period.
4: Yeah, definitely better than the the busy basketball court y'all have now.
3: Man, that thing now is it's a it's it's something.
4: <laughs> My team lost to your team there last night, and I felt like it was a loss before tip off because I had to stare at the floor. Um yep. Uh, well, I'm going to read Jacob Saligas to you. I think this okay. is a troll comment, but my favorite moments include Dyer not being down, Ayuk's 81-yard bomb to ice the Oregon upset, the Khalil Tate game versus Colorado, Mariota versus Barkley in 2012, and many more.
3: Wow. That's nasty work. <laughs> that, that's preying on somebody's downfall right there, bro.
4: We actually got this far in the final episode of Pac-12 Apostles without Khalil Tate's name being said. Um. I love that dude. <laughs> I love when, Tate. Yes.
3: That was the original bit. <laughs> Khalil Tate Amsden.
4: Yeah. I use awesome. Um, Ariana Graney, my favorite PAC 12 memories, the PAC 12 championship ASU hosted. I believe that was against Andrew Luck. Even though we lost, the stadium was electric and it was a great way to end my first season covering college football. And then, uh, solar junkie my first asu game and eric guilford's muff punt that he picked up and took to the house against u of a in 1991 they broke the streak my mom was an x-ray tech at desert sam and scored those tickets from an er doc yeah i love how many details people remember from like their first yeah like games they go to and stuff yeah from their first time uh and then brad denny says he's still not over your anti-chocolate and peanut butter take um which did come out through the course of making these podcasts. Oh yeah,
3: don't... and and we should—I should definitely re-revisit that on the way back. So I—I I have revisited the chocolate and peanut butter take, Ralph. I have revisited it, and after careful reconsideration, um, and recalibration, and you know, just really just taking stock and everything, um. I will say that chocolate and peanut butter is still ass. <laughs>
4: <Together>. <laughs> I saw that coming. I can't believe I didn't cut you off. Oh, my God. All right. We might as well end there with the worst take of all time.
3: Yep. Love it. Good
4: night, friends. <laughs> 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 we'll see you in a couple of weeks as a completely different thing, I suppose.
3: Yes. Yes. Love it. Um, And uh, you guys, appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Peace out. Catch you guys as the College Football Apostles.